Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. This is Tattoo You, and I'm your host, Eric Perkis. Today, we have a special guest. We have Mihai Bakati, and I just butchered that. Mike, Mihai, say it right. Mihai Bakati. Bakati. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. What? I need coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the shop Fine Line, the oldest tattoo shop in New York City, and a very important uh, tattoo shop in my mind. Thank you. Yes. Um, so let's go. Let's talk about your father first. Okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> the shop basically started in 1976. Uh, my father started tattooing out of his loft space on the Bowery. Um, <clears throat> at the time, he was pursuing a uh, fine art career and actually gaining traction as a sculptor, uh, but kind of started to... Uh, fall in love with with tattooing and, and tattoo culture, and eventually walked away from the fine art thing. But that was about 1976. And I I totally get that because I tried to survive off of paintings, and yeah. I was like, I should just be putting the paintings on skin. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is I he was showing in galleries, you know. By uh, by that time, my family moved to the city in 1970. And uh, he spent a couple of years trying to shop his stuff around. And by about 74, 75, he actually was showing in galleries and, and selling to collectors and things like that. But he uh, grew really disenchanted with the art scene, per se. Yeah. And uh, in his words, he decided that the tattoo world dealt with a more realistic quality of people. Right, right. People are down to earth. Yeah, uh, you exactly. meet... The awesome thing is you meet all cultures, all races, all... It's very worldly. Yeah, I mean, he always said that it's the most democratic art form going. You know, right, really, true. You know, you deal with every strata of personality. Yeah, and then, you know, these people help us survive. Absolutely. It's like survival. I would have never made it through the last 15 years without tattoos. Sure. I get it. We get by. <laughs> we get by. Day to day, the struggle continues. <laughs> yes. No, true to that. Uh, this, this, when you guys, when he had the shop, the original shop was on the Bowery, which was an old building that was, it goes back to the Civil War even. And then it was McGurk's Suicide Hall. Now, it got that name because 10 ladies drank acid and died there, huh? Right. Right? They yeah, that's that's correct. The, the the building I grew up in was 295 Bowery. Yeah. Uh, and it was infamous. It was the infamous McGurk Suicide Hall. <clears throat> Apparently, it was one of the first um, buildings, like Bar and Grill, to have neon signage below 14th Street. Crazy. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, above the Bar and Grill was a, was a flop house and, and brothel. It was kind of like uh, end of the run brothel, you know. It was it was for the girls that had kind of given up, and that was going to be it, you know what I mean? So uh, it became kind of famous for young girls committing suicide out of. And oh my gosh! The most famous was uh, was one girl. I think she was about twenty four or twenty five, drinking a bottle of carbolic acid in front of the building uh, with a bunch of cheering onlookers. What? That's yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, being entertained. Yeah, know. and then John I mean, H. We didn't McGurk. have TV back then. <laughs> right. So. And then John H. McGurk tries to capitalize on it, so he calls it McGurk's Suicide Hall. But I don't know I don't know that he specifically coined that name. Oh, okay. I it think, got the nickname. Yeah, I think the building got the nickname. Um uh he was kind of familiar with uh Roosevelt at the time, who was the chief of police, and their headquarters was actually pretty close to to the Bowery. Uh, so they had like a, a kind of strange relationship, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was just a very different different time in the Lower East Side at that point. And the interesting fact is uh, the tattoo machine came out of there. 
Bowery, right? That neighborhood. Uh, the, well, the Lower East Side. The neon know? light first there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know this doesn't pertain to this, but Eat 'em Up Jack was the first Eat 'em Up bouncer. McManus, yeah. Yes, in New York City. I had to say the name, and I got to put Short Change Charlie in there. Yeah, sure. It was good stuff. But sure. now, so. I think Steve Brody was actually worked at, at McGurk's for a little while. Oh, He's a guy that's famous for jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> I know about him from Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> kind of odd. Did you grow up in that shop at all? Were you ever in that shop? Well, the shop itself, because it was illegal at the time. It was illegal here in New York from 1962 to, to 1997. Yeah, the prohibition um, of tattoos, 35, yeah. 36 years. Yeah, <clears throat> in New York and a few other states. Uh, really, it was just New York City and not even the entire city. Um, uh I grew up, well, the, the, the shop was in the loft that I grew up in. Okay. Right. So we had a, we had a huge kind of artist loft space. I think nice. it was about 2,200 square feet with like 17 foot ceilings or oh, something nice like this space. And, uh, and my dad had a, a background in carpentry. Um, so he actually built out a lot of like smaller sleeping and living loft spaces in nice in the place and then towards the the front door was a small almost like a small building which was like the shop nice so it's you perfect. walked in the front door you looked to the to the right there was a build there was a door that led into the living quarters and if you look straight ahead there was a doorway into the shop perfect which was, uh, kept it separate yeah exactly yeah. which was completely flashed out with the zone flash and very professional you know nice yeah uh any crazy stories about that building that your dad you remember him saying anything about the building itself uh with the shop there anything well i mean you get all kinds of weirdos through there you <laughs> yeah. know and i, I think I think it kind of bothered my mom now and again. Yeah. I mean, the, the bathroom was in the living quarters. and Okay. So, you know, if, if, if a customer had to use the bathroom, they, came they had to through. go into the family bathroom, you know. But in between the bathroom and the shop was a, was a, a about a two-and-a-half-foot-tall Moluccan cockatoo. My, my parents <laughs> kept birds because the space was so big. And they let this fucking thing fly around the, the loft because it was, you know, there was enough room or whatever. So you'd get these big, crazy, hairy biker dudes like scared to death to go to the bathroom because oh, of the bird. You know, <laughs> we used to call him Rodan because he was such a big, loud, you know, crazy motherfucker. That's funny. Yeah. Then, so what? What made what made you guys move? Your dad moved from there now to where the shop is now, Fine Line on Avenue A. Uh, first Avenue. First Avenue, I mean. First Avenue. First and first. Definitely need that coffee. 21st, right? <laughs> 21 First 21 Avenue. First Avenue. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I started tattooing with him. I started, well, I started, like you just implied, I, I kind of grew up in the shop because the shop was in the home. That's he awesome. started tattooing when I was about four years old. Um, so by the time I was about 10, he had me kind of like, uh, like, doing tracings for him, cleaning the shop for allowance money. He even taught me how to make needles when I was about 10 or 11 because my hands were so small. He thought, nice. you know. That's an early easy. apprenticeship. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, you're not really paying that much attention to anything when you're that young. But uh, but I, I decided to really focus on it when I was about 15. I was around 85, 86. Nice. And I guess I started my official apprenticeship around then and uh, actually tattooed my first customer when I was about 16. Nice. Before you even got a tattoo, huh? No, I, I had gotten tattooed. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I got tattooed when I was about 15. Nice. Cool. It was it was one of those things where like the old man was like, look, if you're going to do this, you better know what it feels like so you know what you're putting people through. Right. So you're obligated now. You know and what I mean? Yeah. Plus, he had the consent of mom and you and her. Well, <laughs> right? he actually made my, he made my mother write a write a, a note <laughs> of consent or whatever. They were separating yeah. at the time. So oh, I it's kind that. of funny though. But it was illegal yeah. at the time, anyways. So who cares? Right. Um. So I had been tattooing with him in the Bowery shop for a number of years when they 
we started hearing that they were uh, talking about changing the laws and, and lifting the ban. Um, so we made it a point to visit every city council meeting and things like that and be on top of what was going on. And, uh, you know, at that point in 97, there were already people kind of pushing the limits and opening storefronts and things like that. Uh, so the realization was if we were going to survive, you know, we better do something. We weren't going to survive as an appointment only kind of clandestine right. shop, you know, after that. So you do walk-ins and appointments. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So that's when we started looking for spaces and really wanted to stay in the Lower East Side because, you know, that's home. Uh, and we were lucky enough to find the space at 21 First Avenue in, in 97. I think we opened up there. Me and him built the whole place out ourselves. Nice. Because, uh, like I said, he had a background in carpentry. Yeah, it looks awesome. When I visited Thank you guys you. the other night, I saw you there with Angelo, and uh, it looks very Japanese. Yeah, feel. I guess. Yeah, I mean, he he had spent time in Japan when he when he was younger, uh, in the fifties, and I think it really influenced his aesthetic. Yeah, um, which is part of how he got into tattooing, but that's that, that's kind of a sidetrack. Uh, but we went in and, and built the place out and it's we've changed it around a little bit here and there. But the, the main idea was to keep it looking like a tattoo yeah. shop. I mean, we basically modeled the way the place is laid out after uh, Zeke Owens shop in, in North Carolina. Awesome. You know, stuff nice. like that with the individual booths for privacy and space. Um, unlike a lot of kind of salon style shops these days with big open rooms and you know who velvet couches and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing on the wall. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. A couple of paintings by people you never heard of. <laughs> who trained so your dad trained you. Who trained your father? Um well <clears throat> or did he just pick it up? No, it, there was there was a lot of uh of uh self study. Yeah. But essentially, um, he was lucky enough to get in with Big Joe Kaplan uh, upstate, who let him kind of hang out. He was having old um, Navy tattoos covered up yeah. at the time. This was probably around 1974. Let's say 73 to 74, something like that. And uh, so he was having some old stuff covered up. Uh, and just kind of hit it off with the guys there and, nice. and Joe allowed him to kind of hang out and watch awesome. as long as he didn't ask too many questions or, you know, yeah, let anything slow... out of the shop and, yeah. you know, things like that. And while he was having that old stuff covered up, he was lucky enough to run into Zico and who be they became fast friends Awesome. and, uh, Zeke kind of sat him down and, <clears throat> Kind of set him straight on a few things, and uh, over time he ended up going down to work for Zeke a number of times. You know, through cool. the late seventies and through through into the mid eighties, really go down to to the shop by Camp Lejeune, and that was legal there. It was legal there. It was yeah. illegal in South Carolina. It was there legal too, but uh, but in North Carolina, um, in Jacksonville. Zeke's shop was right outside of a marine base. So they do brisk business during paydays. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> almost 24 hour tattooing for wow. two or three days straight. I was going to ask you and that. And then the rest of the month would be dead. Oh, man. Make it <laughs> while you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. While Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, but real brutal. What were the hours kind of, of the shop, you know, like 90s still? Did you do 12 to 12 or what do you guys do? Uh, well, these days, you know, right now we're doing winter hours. These days we're there from 1230 to around 839 o'clock. That's nice. You still have a night. Yeah, I try to. For a while we were doing 12 to 6. And then for a number of years I was doing 12 to 12. It gets, that gets grueling though, doesn't yeah, it? It gets grueling. And, and for a little while I was doing it by myself, you know. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, it was intense. So you were on your own, and then who came over that you you brought in new guys? 
Well, probably Angelo. Angelo, was, right? Was the first of them. He's been with us about ten years yeah. now, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, you know, so that was that was a much needed change, you know. Yeah. But uh, but over time, it it. I don't know. It, we're all getting older, and pulling those kinds of hours get a little yeah. more grueling, and and it, they're just. I don't know if they're quite as needed right now. I, you know yeah, I, mean? I think there should be a cutoff anyway, because you get it to a certain point at night and then you get all the hoodlums. Well, that's uh, it. You know, you, know? you get those people banging on the door at 1130 yeah. at night. You want to go home, but it's an emergency right. tattoo. Oh, yeah. It has Always to be an done emergency. right now. <laughs> yes, and then, it's not done right now. It's, you and know, you're not important because you're just the artist that's going to put it on them and they don't care about oh, your life. It. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like the, the, yeah. the car mechanic. That they has own the, you. Yeah, exactly. I've so. told a few customers, you don't own me, and yeah. uh, you're Sometimes on my you time, to, not yours. That's right. Sometimes you have to put that down <laughs> yeah. and make it clear, you know. Oh, man. They're coming to you. Right. Kind of a thing. Exactly. So. I got to do a little teaser here. Uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Thanks for tuning in. Um, RFB mobile app, uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org-iPhone, iOS app and uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash android for your android app if you'd like to listen to rfb when you're not in front of your computer please consider downloading our free mobile app from iphone and android available in the app store for iphone or the google play store for android and sign up for our rfb newsletter please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming rfb events you can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter God damn, that sounded half professional. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> make it till you make it. <laughs> Speaking of which, when I first started tattooing, I had no clue. I was tattooing myself, um, you know, and then three years of, it was pretty grueling the first three years. And then at about a five-year point, I felt comfortable. Mm, that um, sounds about right. You know, and then, and then like the, after that, once I got on Sixth Avenue and I was working in a shop, then it just started to flow. But that yeah. was scary. Were you, were you scared at first? Because you're young. Oh, you must yeah. have been scared as hell tattooing some of, of these guys, mind. right? But never let them see you sweat. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> your dad tell you that, or you just knew. I just kind of, <laughs> kind of picked up on that real quick. You right, know you I got mean? some tough people the, around. The old, you. the old man was fond of throwing me under the bus, you know. So I'd, <laughs> I'd find myself it. in over my head, you know, <clears throat> a number of times. But yeah, I had, you know butterflies in my stomach for at least the first five years i think it took me a good 10 years to start to even think that i had anything figured out yeah you know? right and that even took the help of other people you know I worked, right i worked a bit i went and hung out with zeke for a little bit when i was pretty young um uh i spent time uh, working with and hanging out at Shotzi Gorman's place in Jersey and cool. Um, worked with Richie Montgomery who really awesome. helped me out quite a bit, uh, when I was in my twenties. So, you know, you can't, well, especially in those days, you couldn't really buy equipment that right. worked right out of the box. You know, it, it's, you had to make a lot of stuff. Yeah, you had to make a lot. Well, even especially the in the old days, you know, you had to know how to cut and bend springs and how to tune machines and things like right. that. Um, you know, a lot of the time these days, and back then, you, you, you know, you'd buy a machine from a reputable supplier and it'd be out of whack, it'd be out of tune because it's being built by people that don't, don't know. Don't tattoo. Yeah, that don't tattoo, that don't really understand you know how the mechanics work so a lot of the time you'd have to sit down and readjust everything and um you know especially with with like kind of coil machines everybody has their own feel to them so right you know you, right you can't have someone set up your machine because they work the way they work i exactly. work a different way you work a different way we exactly work. so it might not feel right until you you take the time to really you know um to really work that out uh but these days you know good, there's so many talented machine builders yeah uh, a good portion of the time you buy even a coil machine off somebody and it it just works right and it's like whoa okay yeah. you know people got it down yeah i mean when i started you know my 
when I was young, um, I used to help my dad uh, bend uh, uh, needle bars out of bicycle spokes and shit like that. You know? Awesome. <clears throat> You'd have to like uh, kind of tack solder uh, needles together and things like that. Yeah. I would watch people do that at Unimax upstairs. Mm-hmm. Would build the needles, the machines. Right. So, you know, um, again, those are like kind of becoming lost arts. Right. When I came in, it's cheaper and easier to just buy them now. Everything was disposable by the time I started. Right. Because of Wes around, what, 97, 98? Yeah, that sounds about right. So when I came in, yeah, we didn't have to stare. I mean, everything was packaged, prepackaged. I didn't need to even use a sterilizer. Yeah, right. It's almost discouraged now. Right. But then the thing is... I do recall when I first started, the heaviness of that was better. The equipment, you know, when you had the, the heaviness was good a little bit, but then I oh, got the used steel, to, oh, yeah. the steel tubes and right, things like that. Right, steel tubes and such. It's but. still my preference, you know, but the, the, the culture has shifted and, and now um, <clears throat> it seems that a lot of people are working with uh, uh, rotary style machines as opposed to coil style machines that tend to be lighter um Quiet, quiet, uh, and you know when you're using kind of a plastic framed motor machine with a plastic tube, I mean it's it's unbelievably light, right? But there isn't much to adjust, and you buy it, and yeah, it's a liner shader, basically work right out of the box, right? So it's it's changed. The approach and, and the expectations, you know. Yeah, those, they, they don't those, have to be afraid of making the machine work properly. <laughs> right, yeah, or, or knowing how to keep it tuned and adjusted. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, the warning curve has changed. Right. That's Which is interesting. You really see that a lot when you when you go to conventions. Well, um, <clears throat> you spoke to me the other day, and I think this is smart. You want what you would like to do. And if you don't mind, you, you if I can edit this out if you don't want anybody to know yet, or you do, but you'd like to get a collector's convention together. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few. There are yeah. a few going on. Like, people are kind of getting hip to that. Okay. Um, uh, Where are they, do bit. you know? Well, that, that's a good question. Well, there's, like, uh, like they just did a first um, annual tattoo memorabilia collectors kind of convention uh at the tattoo archive awesome um which is pretty interesting uh and there's a lot of tattoo museums popping up which is yeah cool. there, yeah there, there are tons of that there's so much more interest in tattooing now yeah. than there was say in the 70s or early 80s it, it's pretty far out uh there's another there are two conventions that I know of in Philly. One is like a big grand one. Awesome. And the other one is a reaction to the big grand one, yeah. oh. which is supposed to be more, you know, fewer tattooers and more of like a collector's mind. Okay. You know, tattoo collectors. A little mind. calmer. Yeah, a little, I guess. I haven't been to it. I don't really know the people involved with it. Okay. Um, but just on that level, you know, you're going from uh, <clears throat> walking into a convention hall with 1,500 tattooers as opposed to walking into a space with 80 tattooers. Yeah. With 1,500 tattooists, I mean, it's got to be hard to make your money for going there in the first place. You know, sure. that's tough. Sure. That's my friend Angel stopped because of that. But at the same time, it's nice to meet all those people. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, get a feel of different cities. and For the most part, yeah. you know. But, it, yeah, at what point is it, like, not cost-effective? Yeah, right. And then what's the point? No, at what point did you go to Japan? You you visited. Uh, I've been a few times. I, my ex-wife was Japanese. Okay. Um, so after we got married, I went over there the first time to visit with family and friends. So Pretty I cool. I like it over there. It's it's a beautiful country. You know, yeah. People are real nice. You're Japanese. It's far though. Yeah, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's long way. Far. And it's <laughs> it's a it's an expensive plane ticket. You know. Your Japanese style work, though, is beautiful. It oh, looks thank you excellent. So, much. so thank you so much. It's worth it. Uh, this is something I really want to get out here and don't want to forget. You tattooed James Gandolfini. Can we talk <laughs> about that? It's a hero yeah. of mine. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. Actually, uh, I tattooed him a couple of times. He 
he kind of just wandered in one day. I think he was out drinking or something. I didn't even recognize him. Somebody yeah. else in the shop recognized him. Uh, you know, but he said, ah, just, you know, call me James, you know, nice. And, uh, he had, he had some small tattoos on his fingers, which I thought was interesting, but, uh, but he had me put like a, a date on, uh, on one of his fingers, you know, like a, like a calendar date. And I decided not to ask any questions about that, (laughs) but then he came back. About a year or so later, and had me cover that up. Wow! So I thought, well, let's not go into that. Yeah. <laughs> Just let it be. Uh... <laughs> Just let it be. Some questions you oh. don't ask, especially you know from yeah, yeah, mob boss fucking <laughs> <laughs> you know family uh, fathers or whatever. But but he was a really nice guy, actually. Yeah, he was. I worked with him on Sopranos. I was on the set a few times, and it was exciting, man. Oh, cool. I, he's a nice guy. I didn't see the tattoos, so it was, uh, he hit them well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they may have covered him up with makeup, because I after that, every time I saw him in anything, I'd be looking at his hand. Nice. You and you didn't I mean? see it? No. I, and uh, we asked him about that. In The Sopranos, he has like a little panther tattoo, so we asked him about that. And he said, no, nah, man, that thing's fake. He said, if I knew that fucking show was going to go on so long, I would have got it for real. You know? <laughs> Just so they didn't have to apply it every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought that was pretty funny, you know. I'm hoping to get Josh Turi on. He does, like, uh, tattoo appliances for movies. I do want to talk to him about it. Tattoo appliances? Yeah, they're like, they, they stick them on. Oh, applicators. Yeah, yeah, now. I think they true. print them and stick them on kind of now. Right. I think that you can, you can buy... Uh, uh, inkjet paper that makes fake tattoos now i mean it's really crazy you know crazy days yeah um your dad tattooed william he tattooed william brim uh wilford brimley wilford brimley yes yeah old wilford brimley he actually came up to the old bowery shop awesome long time ago i think he was on set in the movie in and out Wow. And he asked one of the key grips or something about getting tattooed. That's awesome. And uh, they referred him to dad. Nice. And uh, I I think he just, he reworked some stuff and added a couple of things. And Wilford had just had a grandchild and, and, and his grandchild really liked the tattoos. So every time he went to went away he wanted to come back with a new tattoo for nice. the kid you know yeah nice apparently he was a really sweet old guy unfortunately i wasn't there that day i didn't get to meet him who else have you tattooed celebrity wise uh i tattooed dre di mateo awesome also from the sopranos cool yeah um probably other people that i'm not aware of right i'm really not good at well that's probably better they respect that yeah i'm I sure think a good you portion know? of the time you know but I, yeah, I'm just not good at it. Angelo is really good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Who'd he get? Who's we're well, I don't know about tattooing celebrities, but right there on First Avenue, yeah. You know, there's so many people that live in the neighborhood. He's always like, oh, there's talking this to guy, everybody, or yeah. This guy or whatever. <laughs> he you know? knows everyone. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's another good thing about tattoos. It opens up the neighborhood for you. It can. Yeah, I mean. It can. It gives you backup. You got a lot of friends. You got a lot of people there for yeah. you, you know? If you're not too self-involved. You know? Right, right. If you're open to being open to people. I think a lot of times, too, though, I mean, yeah, definitely. We The people that are self-involved, I think, a lot of times aren't as busy, you know? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it depends. I don't know. But I think, as <laughs> tattoo artists, I think we're pretty good people. I think we're pretty open to everything. A good you know? portion, yes. Yeah, but I, I mean, would, I... I would tend to agree with that. Right. There's stuff we got to turn away, too. But I've met some folks that, yeah. you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Uh, we're going to go a little bit longer here, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Let's see here. Uh, Tuna East, fish? East Coast style. What do you think? Do you as think, opposed to... As opposed to West Coast style, do you think there's any difference, or... Oh, I think those. I it's think merging. I think those things have changed. Yeah, right. Um, and when I came up, the the East Coast style was really <clears throat> considered to be uh, kind of bolder, um, uh, more kind of traditional 
a lot of black shading, things like that. West Coast style being a little finer, more color shading uh, on that level. Um, now that the, the kind of the classic Americana thing is taken on like wildfire and, and so many people are doing that, that it's, it's kind of hard to gauge East coast, West coast. Right. I mean, even kind of all, we have people here in the city doing like really great, like fine line cholo, like East LA style work, right. you know what I mean? And you can even find that like in the Midwest. Right. That's true. So it, it, the, this, the computers made it global. I guess so, you know, or the culture's just expanded so far that it's, uh, I keep wanting to say that it's unwieldy at this point, um, (laughs) but, uh, but it's, it's definitely blurred boundaries. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I fear to say that things have become almost homogenous, you know, between the, the TV shows and and the involvement with popular culture. Right. Um, I just got back from Europe at at a convention in Amsterdam, and uh, I've done other conventions and visited tattoo shops around the world. It always kind of blows me away because you find that the the work, the level of work is on par definitely with what's going on in the States. Yeah. Right, which is, I think it's hard to argue that America is the birthplace of modern tattooing. Yeah. Um, uh, not only that, but the images are similar. The approaches are similar. Right. You know, uh, uh, the kinds of people involved with it have like similar minds. You know what I mean? So it's not just like, uh, East Coast, West Coast, America merging, but it's this kind of global tattoo culture that's become the sort of one thing that that exists in its own world. It's really interesting. Did you kind of see it, like, because you grew up in it, so did you see it expand, like, from small community to what it is oh, now? Absolutely. Like, you, still, you saw that firsthand. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I would say, you know, when my dad was starting out in, in the mid-'70s, there was probably around maybe five, 600 tattooers in the world. I think there were six right. known in New York. That's incredible. You and know that, what I mean? You're right. And now we have like, what, how many do you think we have now? Uh, the last I heard, and this was probably 10, 15 years ago, there were at least 2,200 licenses in New York. Wow. And that, that's, you know, that's, that's a while ago. And, that's not counting the unlicensed tattooers. Right. You know, so it's it's impossible to know. Right. You know, how many how many people are tattooing. But a lot. <laughs> a, a fuck ton. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Yeah. There's scratchers and <laughs> Well that's the thing, you know, and the 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 the, the ability uh, the talent level runs the gamut. I mean it's a full spectrum. You yeah. Know, the the kitchen magicians to the right. you know, really, really talented uh portrait artists and right. you know full body composition people and you know great one point americana guys and you know all that stuff so it's yeah the culture has changed completely there was a time when being a part of the international tattoo association or the bristol tattoo club or something like that <clears throat> was a real network and and it, right. it opened you up to other like-minded people that had taken the steps the, to get there. Yeah, right. Or, or the, the uh, taking on the willingness to put themselves in the position of tattooing other people. Um, those things have all kind of dissolved, and now the culture is so big. Right. You know, it, it's impossible. I mean, I I went to uh, the last, I think, Empire State Tattoo Convention here in the city. Yeah. I didn't know a single person in there. Isn't that, yeah, right? You know, it's changed, like... Yeah, it's really bizarre, you know, so uh, this is my hometown. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you, you didn't know, know I've been here longer than crazy, anybody, right? and I don't know anybody there. That's got to really, be weird. Really Did bizarre. they know you, though? No. They didn't? Isn't that something? No. They should, though. You know, like, yeah, whatever. You know, well, but the oddest thing, though, about that was the first thing I noticed was I walked in and I could hear the music. Yeah, I was so quiet. <laughs> the stylus is? 
Yeah, because nobody was using coil machines, you know, so you didn't have the like the constant buzz of yeah. like a classic tattoo shop. You're like, what's going on? There's no tattoos happening. Yeah, exactly. But they're all, you know, everybody's working and doing these, you know, beautiful color portraits and all this shit, you know. Yeah. It's really funny. It's Crazy. interesting. Yeah, because when you used to go, it'd be like, and the music was you loud can... and people were shouting. Oh, yeah, there are people trying to make announcements on microphones. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. There's know? a show going on over here. Yeah. You're watching this guy tattoo here, this yeah. lady tattoo here. And you here. can't hear a fucking thing because of <laughs> yeah. all the, the buzzing tattoo. Machine. Yeah, the old guys were either deaf from that or from the Navy cannons. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like my grandpa. There you go. But, you know, that's where I feel comfortable. So, you know, walking into the modern conventions is, is always kind of a trip for me, you know. Can you at all get a historic landmark, landmark status? for your building now or something like that is well that the building i grew up in is long gone yeah they tore that down a long time ago they right. they tried to get landmark status well that that yeah but that Evan got Gertz. turned down because of the suicide thing i think huh? no no they just applied um, okay five years too late it takes okay. about well then anyway uh they said that it takes about five years for the application to go through okay to be reviewed oh okay uh but the selling of the the footprint for the building was a foregone conclusion and then the building you're in now it's not old enough for landmark i have status, no idea or? i i just rent the space i have okay. no no other interest in the building okay um except that we rent the store i hear you you know what i mean but you guys are the first and oldest shop yeah well we're the longest operating running yeah i got two shop in manhattan and that is not easy the 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 next, I mean, now that Tony Polito's gone out in Brooklyn, yeah. Uh, the next runner up in the boroughs where it was illegal would be Mike Perfetto. Okay. Uh, but there were people, you know, tattooing was never made illegal in Staten Island and Long Island. Okay. So a lot of people that were tattooing here in the city, when it changed, Went they moved there. out there. Okay. Um, so there are people that have been tattooing out there, you know, for a long time. I mean, Stanley and Walter moved. Well, Stanley Walter Moskowitz moved from the Bowery yeah. out to Staten Island when the laws changed. Just to not have the headache. Yeah, basically. You Your know. dad dealt with it, though. He, But that must have been scary when you're doing it illegally. But yet it's not even, you know what I mean? It's like so. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, it was such a gray area. Yeah. The, the, the Lower East Side at the time was uh, not the most savory of places, especially <laughs> yeah. the Bowery, you know. Um so it was kind of lawless down there anyway, but uh, he definitely, he said he jumped every time the phone rang for the I, first I get few it. years, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, just because of that, also because he was working out of the house and the family's there and stuff like that. Right. We came to find out much later that it was like a health code violation, like a $75 ticket or something okay. like this. You know right, what I mean? Right. But, he, you know, he was real He was real paranoid about it for quite a while. Um, but, you know, he ended up actually, at one point at the old space, ended up tattooing the, the ex-comptroller of New York. So you know, word gets like around that. and people were like, ah, it's illegal, but whatever. Yeah, it was tolerated. And there were so few people doing it. You know, nobody was getting raided. Yeah. And that was part of the reasoning by the city council. They said, look, you know, tattooing's been illegal all this time. There have been people tattooing all this time with no event, no problem. Right. So why not legalize open it, it, tax back up. it, you know? Um, yeah, what a can of worms that opened up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good for some and bad for many, huh? Yeah, like the money changed probably. Yeah, yeah. The overhead definitely changed. Yeah. Right? The whole approach to the work, you know, the whole approach right. to, uh, so, you know, we, we, we tripled in volume in terms of how much tattooing we were doing, but, uh, profits probably dropped, know, dropped extremely. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And headaches rose and, you know, all that stuff, but somehow what, 23 years we're still there and, right. you know, I'm still trying to keep it going probably right. cause I'm too bullheaded to. <laughs> move on with my life but that's all right whatever. that's good man <laughs> you know <laughs> that shop should be there and it looks good there man you guys do good work well thank you thank you for tuning in to radiofreebrooklyn.org is there anything you're working on right now uh anything any piece you're working on right now anything you want to talk about uh well i have a bunch of 
ongoing large scale stuff, you know, um, actually it's funny. I'm doing this interview with you cause I am, I've been over time, uh, over the last like year or two trying to track down some of dad's old customers awesome. at the Bowery and stuff like that and sit them down and interview them, you know, nice. not just about getting tattooed at the old space on the Bowery, but you know, kind of lower East side, and, yeah. you know, what that was about and why they got been, what they got. Yeah. Stories behind the tattoos. Right. Or how they, awesome. you know, found him and, you know, cause it was all, it was all hush hush. It was yeah. no advertising. You know, I think he advertised in the back of like the villager at one point for a couple yeah, of village weeks. villager or village voice and the village voice yeah. for a few weeks, you know, things like that. So that's been real interesting. Yeah. That's been cool. And these are people that I've known since I was a little kid. So. And then what was the word of mouth at the beginning? Like he just tattooed neighborhood people and they would kind of tell you like i get they it's hard tell to people say you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i mean I've, before we uh before we opened the shop probably around 94 93 94 we had this whole block of young puerto rican kids come in to get the puerto rican flag yeah like a week before the parade right you know? nice so that was kind of the vibe you get guys like that neighborhood guys um and they spread the word fast because the other person sees the tattoo, they want it, they want to get something. Well, that's it, you know, especially if it's quality, you know, if, if it's good work and, and people felt safe and comfortable, right. you know, they'd, they'd be happy to spread the word and, you know, you'd end up with business that way. Plus, we're like funeral homes. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to turn 18. Right. <laughs> and when they yeah, turn 18, right. they're going to come in and get something. It's that rite of passage kind <laughs> yes. of thing. You know? And there's always new skin. Yeah. Yeah. So we never run out of uh, canvas. Well, theoretically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the yeah. work gets spread a little thin these days, but you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Do you guys feel like the customers are respectable still? Or, I mean, I've, I feel like sometimes we get a little bit of troublesome people more now than ever. You're always going to get schmucks. I mean, people are people, you know. Right. But for the most part, you know, people are pretty, pretty respectful. At the old space, it was interesting because, well... <clears throat> for a while there towards the end the uh the catholic worker would set up food for the homeless right in front of the door yeah for the building right so we'd have like uh you know a whole saturday booked with customers and no one could get through this person only huh? the hardiest people <laughs> would make it through the line to ring the bell to come up four floors right to get in the building and then we'd lock the door behind them, you know, so you knew you had them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were getting something. There. They were getting something, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there were frustrations with that. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, we'd have all kinds of, all, uh, uh, an amazing mix of people in the studio, you know, like uh, when the Chinese gang thing was a big thing in Chinatown, we'd have like rival gangs in the shop at the same time, like members and respected it. Respected like they knew the shop. that it was, was like, it was like hollowed ground. Yeah, you know, in some weird way, which is awesome. They'd probably stare each other down <laughs> while they're getting tattooed, but that's not my problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that would have been now. The eighties was bad in Chinatown. Yeah, that was yeah. about that era, right? Yeah, I mean, into the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, my ex told me how bad Chinatown was in yeah. the eighties. So yeah. Nicky Louie era. They were tough. Yeah. yeah, it's no joke. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then uh, so basically, they would sit there, they would get tattooed, they would leave, and then it was back on as soon as they got out the door. Probably what happens out there, man, ain't <laughs> yeah, my business. Days out there, you know. But they were always really nice, really respectful, and we ended up, you know, creating uh, uh, relationships with some of these people, you know, over time. Did you ever go to China to tattoo or anything no, there? I've never been to China. Okay. Yeah. I had a friend go and come back. I think he did some ink out there. Oh, yeah. A little easier for him. He's Chinese. So, oh, yeah. yeah sure, that makes you know, sense. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, even in China and Korea, they're, they're tattoo conventions in, in Seoul, Korea, and Beijing, China, and the big one in Taiwan. And, I mean, 15 years ago, that would have been unheard of you know i right. think in korea it's still illegal i'm pretty sure yeah yeah my boss is korean mm -hmm. and her tattoos are hidden but uh -huh. yeah they don't want it to be seen there yeah a friend of mine worked a convention in hong kong recently and he said it was a really bizarre experience yeah 
you know, anybody that was getting tattooed, it was a big deal to keep it hidden, you know, but there really wasn't a lot of tattooing going on. Yeah. So it was like they want this inclusion in the culture, but not quite, hasn't quite broken through yet. Interesting. The, the culturally, the, the stigma of it, you know. And then, really cool. but then some people respect the taboo of it. Like in Japan, I, you know, a lot of people like that. I've heard like people will flash a tattoo at people to let them know they got it. Yeah, well, the the the, they're, the Japanese have a strange relationship with tattooing. Yeah, it seems to me, you know, it it's so much ingrained in the in the culture, but they they keep denying it. Um, but the again, tattoo culture there has grown. Yeah, you know, like uh, like <clears throat> when I've been there, I've seen signs in front of like public bathhouses, absolutely no tattooing. Right. But if you have like a one point Americana tattoo, well, that's a different story. They'll let that in. Yeah, interesting. Good portion of the time, but not know. like a full. They got if it's the traditional Japanese. Looking, and if they know they're possibly in a gang. That's right. Like I went to 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 one over there, and they were really leery of of letting me in because because of my tattoo work. Uh, I think my wife at the time had called up to make sure it was okay. Yeah. And they're like, oh, not really. And then I get there and they see that, you know, I'm not Japanese. And they're like, oh, well, that's okay. Then they don't feel as threatened. Yeah, he doesn't really understand nervous. anyway. <laughs> right? You know, like How is that with the language barrier? Was Is that difficult or not? Because yeah, it it's art. You, it depends where you go. The nice thing is art speaks without a language. Well, that's it. You know, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about uh, tattooing and tattoo culture is that kind of cross-cultural pollination. Right, you know that's happened ad infinitum. I mean, it's it's created literally a world culture. You know? And these guys would go over there and maybe not know the language, but just learn by watching. Yeah, probably. Which imagine. is what we did too, though. I mean, we I all kind of learn by watching. Sure. Steal, did you steal what you can? Did you tattoo any of your legs or anything on your own? I I I never had to tattoo myself. Right, you started and, right yeah, away. Yeah, there were always people around. I had to tattoo myself that first time. I was a little, uh, I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> big, I made it. It's a big deal to harm yourself. You know? <laughs> but it stayed. It's still there. In some form. Yeah. <laughs> what about your dad? Did he tattoo himself at he all? He did. He did. He tattooed himself a bit. I got a friend, uh, Angel, from Philly, Angel Kias, and he tattooed his leg he had so many tattoos and then he tattooed over the tattoos and then he was like what did i do to myself <laughs> to learn yeah i know a lot of people yeah. like that any uh laser removal ever me yeah no, no. i haven't removed any either yeah i'm pretty even... happy with everything everything has a I story don't even notice them anymore yeah you kind of get used to it right yeah just... at first it's like you get that first one and you just stare at it forever yeah it's like <laughs> having that mole on your back removed like what's the point what yeah. was your first tattoo uh, I had a small uh, tattoo put on my back uh, by my dad. Nice. Yeah. And then did you look in the mirror a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to yell at me. How are you going to stare the ink off that fucking thing? What are you looking at? You know, he did the majority of my work, like all of my upper torso. Awesome. Uh, stuff like that. So My first one was on my back, and I like I did that too. I had to go look in the mirror. You run around in circles <laughs> yeah. trying to see it. Then I'm like, why did I get it on my back? I should have got it here so I could watch the guy do it and learn something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you're right now uh, 40 years anniversary, right? Uh, Recently? For the shop? Yeah. Uh, well, we've been there since 97. Okay. So the shop in that space has been there, I guess, about 22 years, 23 years. Well, 40 years of fine line. In the Lower East Side, it's about 40, 42, 43 years. Already, I'm sorry. 40. In the Lower East okay. Side, yeah. Time flies, man. Tell me about it. No, we did a we did like a 40-year anniversary party when that came up. That was a few years ago. Now. Awesome. Yeah. How'd that go? A lot of people show up. A lot of people. Fun. Less than I hoped. Not as, you know. Yeah. It was cool. But still. It was, good, it was a good time. You know? Hell yeah, man. It was important people. And important yeah, that's what matters. Be around people that have been uh, kind of patrons of our art. So that's better anyway. You don't really want to hang around lunatics around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I was I was leery of making it public. 
Yeah, keep it tight. <laughs> it's like a motorcycle club party, yeah? yeah keep it tight. Exactly. exactly. You can get overboard real quick. The clientele has changed a lot over the years. From really tough-looking dudes to pretty much everybody, huh? Yeah, I mean, a lot of girls. Yes. And you're, I read your father say, you know, he thinks women handle it better. I think so, too, sometimes. Yeah, generally. I I've had say, some big dudes faint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, was... yeah. Girls, girls tend to take it a little, a little more in stride. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, growing up, if you saw a girl with a tattoo, that was like, like wow huh whoa you know right and now i would say probably 50 or 60 percent of our clientele is female right pretty far out i tattooed my mom's first tattoo she was 60 when oh, she, well, you know and i thought that was awesome good for her i you know dad won't get one <laughs> he's like no way in hell he's afraid <laughs> that's funny so uh you plan on staying in the shop there, or do you want to... What are you thinking? Uh, Hopefully, I know, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to stay. You know, the the the, the climate in the city these days for uh, retail business is pretty grim. Yes. Um, it's scary, the amount of buildings that are just, like, disappearing in the East Village, even where I work. It's just, like, missing teeth. Yeah, absolutely, and and so many empty storefronts because the rent's just too high. So hopefully the city does something to change that. I mean, there should be some kind of protection for all of us. Yeah, so it's hard not to get too dis discouraged, right? Know? But uh, I don't I don't have any plans of going anywhere anytime cool. soon. I mean, this has been my home my whole life. Where that right? Go, you know? And not only that, but people know you're there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, moving's a big deal. Right. So trying not to, but you never know. Right. Life is long. Yeah, right, man. It's like things change fast and exactly. roll with it. Exactly. <laughs> Take the punches and get back up. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for being here today, Mahai. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks for the uh, consideration. I appreciate it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, donate to RFB. These can be done in your uh, by... Uh, Going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you to help support our mission. We invite you to make a one-time donation or a monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent counts. Shit, I forgot my checkbook. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Write that check now, people. <laughs> thanks again, Mihai. Is there anything you want to say? No, just thanks for having me on. Thanks for the consideration. It was, it was fun. I appreciate it, man. I look up to you guys. And when you got, when I came over the other day, I felt at home. You guys made me feel really comfortable. Cool, man. And I appreciate You're that. You're always welcome. So if you need a good tattoo in New York City from the oldest tattoo shop, get to Fine Line Tattoo. Hurry up. They'll treat you well. Thanks for tuning in. Love y'all. Tattoo you. See you soon.